You're listening to the Homestead Gardening for the Texas Gulf Coast podcast with Kristen Howard. In my last episode, I shared my five reasons why I save seeds. And in today's episode, I'm going to share with you how I turn one plant into 30 through a method called propagation. Propagation is the fancy horticulture word for multiplying your plants. And there are 200 plus page books explaining all the techniques and types of plants that can be propagated. You don't need a giant book or expert level education to start propagating though. It's really so much simpler than the pros make it out to be. Propagation is how I prepare all of my plants for a plant swap. The plant swap is this really cool thing that we do in Houston where we exchange one plant for another absolutely free. And that's how a lot of gardeners get ready for a plant swap too, because propagation is the only free way to multiply your plants. And who wants to spend a lot of money on their plant just to give it away or swap it for something else? There are two types of propagation, sexual and asexual. You will rarely find someone discussing seeds and seed starting as a form of sexual propagation, but that's what seeds are, the result of two parent plants combining their genetics. Usually, this form of propagation is assisted by insects or wind through pollination, but sexual propagation that is scientific and methodical is called hybridizing. This is when a human intentionally pollinates from a male flower to a female flower with the intent to cross the genetics of a species of plant. I hybridize roses and have actually successfully grown roses from this intentional practice of hybridizing. Now, asexual propagation is the fun type of propagation with quicker gratification and results than sexual propagation. Methods of asexual propagation include layering, grafting, budding, division, and cuttings. Layering is when a branch of the plant makes contact with the soil and forms a root along the branch. This can happen accidentally, especially with plants that are known for trailing along a surface. Or you can manually secure a branch to the soil surface and bury the branch to force layering. Roots tend to form at nodes. So if you're going to try this method, it is helpful to bury one to two nodes on the plant to increase your chances of success. A node is the location on a stem where buds are located. An extra tip or hint. This is also the location you prune just above when trimming your plants because that's where a new leaf will form. To see a diagram of the layering technique or a node location, visit my blog. Layering is definitely an option for propagating herbs. A lot of herbs like to trail along the ground as they spread, and especially those in the mint family are known to root easily at nodes. I've also seen a trailing rosemary and oregano self-layer and root along a surface. If you need a lot of plants but don't have space to grow them in, the layering method is the simplest and most hands-off approach to propagation. Grafting is another form of propagation often used for a very specific and advantageous purpose. Grafting uses a host plant with an advantageous root system called a rootstock and creates a union along the stem with a branch of an equal size called scion wood. Grafting isn't complicated, but it takes more effort than other forms of propagation, and there are a few different ways to graft. This technique is more commonly used for citrus trees, fruit trees, and roses, 
but I've also seen this technique used to grow tomato plants on more vigorous rootstock with the hopes of a better harvest. Most grafted plants are more expensive to purchase, mostly due to the labor involved, and any plant that does not survive above the graft will revert to the original rootstock plant if it regrows from the roots. Budding is a form of grafting. However, grafting uses just the base of the rootstock and discards the top of the rootstock's plant growth. Budding maintains the entire rootstock with the host plant attached and slips in just a bud from another plant. If you've ever heard of a fruit salad tree, or a tree that grows different types of fruits on the same tree, it is likely that tree came from some sort of grafting, but likely bud grafting. Division might be my favorite form of plant propagation. This is because I get instant results from this technique. Division means that you dig up a plant and separate it into smaller sections. Not every plant can be divided, but perennials, bulbs, and other spreading plants all can be divided, and these are the most common that you're going to see using this division technique. These plants are easiest to divide because usually they're multiplying on their own anyways, and you're actually just separating plants from each other to reduce their crowded, natural habit as they multiply. However, you can even cut a bulb or a corm in half vertically to get two new bulbs from that one single bulb. All you have to do is maintain a little bit of root on each bulb half, and you have those two new bulbs. Herbs from the mint family are easily divided as well. The roots of these plants, especially a typical mint plant, do not need top growth when dividing. You can simply divide mint even out of season when the top growth has died and the roots have remained under the surface. These roots can be potted into soil and will grow new growth when the weather warms again. Division is simple, fun, easy enough for the kids to help with, and the best part is that you can multiply your plants every year and give the extras as gifts when the plant regrows, or just expand your garden. Gingers are easily divided as well. Ginger, turmeric, and horseradish root can be divided and planted. Additionally, in our vegetable gardens, potato is best known for being divided and planted. If you've never cut a potato in half before planting, try it, and you'll see how many more potato plants you will get from doing that one division trick. It's not just perennials and small plants that are good for division propagation, though. Any woody plant that grows from the roots to form new plant growth that is near the parent plant but not attached to the above-ground parent can be propagated with division. On my property, I have blackberry plants, privet shrubs, yopon, native plum, and passionflower vines that pop up from the parent, but actually from the root system of the parent, one foot to sometimes 10 feet away from that original parent plant. And it's not from seed. When I go to dig up the plant, I realize it's still connected to that parent root system. This is division on a much bigger scale than with perennials and bulbs. Cuttings are probably the most well-known type of propagation. If you've seen someone propagate with cuttings, then you probably recall the image of what appears to be sticks in pots of soil. There's more to it than that, of course, but it's nearly that simple too. Just like with layering, the trick with cuttings is to make sure you have nodes available both in the soil and above the soil for the roots and leaves to grow. Cuttings are removed from a parent plant and the goal is to establish more root growth on the cuttings than the top growth, so that the stick 
can actually support itself in the soil and root in correctly. If the leaves outmass the roots, then typically the cutting will struggle. Sometimes the cutting will completely die, or the leaves will drop off when they can't be supported with enough nutrients. This is okay, and it's okay to remove leaves to put more energy into the roots intentionally. Cuttings can be taken at any time of year, but the type of cutting, time of year, and the method to propagate cuttings may change based on these variables. So for example, it's usually pretty easy to propagate fresh green cuttings from herbs in the mint family and root these quickly in water. So other, softer greenwood cuttings from plants can be rooted in water in the same way. Green stem cuttings are the fresh growth usually found in spring or in some places like Houston. You're also going to find them in the fall through early winter before a first freeze. However, woody cuttings can be used for propagation as well, and plants like figs need to be propagated with a woody cutting that has gone dormant in winter. The plant signals at this time of the year that it will not put on new leaf growth, and that is the advantageous time in its life cycle to start root growth before it tries to grow leaves again. This is the same thing in the cutting that we take from that fig. It's going to start putting on more root growth than leaves at this time of year. Different plants have different requirements for whether or not a green or woody cutting will be more successful and which times of year are best to take cuttings. The reason why you should refer to a book or an internet search for this information is to determine which of these variables is important before taking a cutting. However, if you are in Houston, which is a warm climate in roughly zone 9A, your research needs to be altered. We have warmer winters, which may mean we have a narrow window of time to take cuttings. Keep in mind what has happened in past weather and what is happening in upcoming weather when you make a plan to take cuttings. What you're trying to figure out is what time of year your plant thinks it actually is versus what time of year on the calendar it is. So let me break that down further. Currently in Houston, and honestly much of Texas, we are experiencing a warm winter. Many of the trees are budding as if it's spring. The temperatures have been too high for too long, and the plant does not know that it's late December. Last year in December 2020, I was already taking hardwood cuttings at the end of the year because my trees were successfully dormant. This year, I will have to wait until temperatures are consistently in the 50s or lower for at least a week or two so the plant knows it needs to go dormant and I need to make sure I take cuttings before temperatures climb again. I expect this time frame to be about a month before my area's last frost date, which happens to be February 15th. So in general, I'd advise anyone who wants to take hardwood cuttings to plan for around one month before your area's last frost date. This should mean your plant is in the dormant period and will still give you a grace period of a few weeks to take cuttings when it's convenient for you and begin rooting those before spring. So I've been mentioning herbs a lot when describing some of these propagation techniques. Herbs in particular are really easy to propagate from asexual propagation, and in fact, it's easier to use this method in my experience than starting herbs from seeds. I recommend using an herb cutting for your first try at propagation. Specifically, take a look at some of the common herbs from the mint family. In my companion YouTube video, I used mainly rosemary, but also summer savory and oregano, which are all from the mint family, in order to show off how to propagate greenwood cuttings in water. Greenwood cuttings, by the way, can also be called softwood cuttings, but often softwood is also a green tint, so it helps to remember both word selections. So how do I take cuttings and propagate them? Step one, take a cutting. 
Stem cuttings with brown, woody growth aren't the right choice, but that fresh, green, tender, newer growth will work out great. Take larger pieces if possible, about 4 inches or longer. Step 2. Remove the leaves from the bottom 1 inch to 2 inch of the cutting to expose the nodes. Removing about 4 leaves will be just fine. Remove the leaves by pulling them down toward the bottom of the cutting. The process is called stripping. Step 3. Fill a mason jar with just enough water to cover the stripped part of the stem and place the stems in the jar. Make sure that you're not filling the mason jar with more water than you need. If you have more water above that leafy growth, the leafy growth is going to rot. Make sure you also use distilled water if your water has a lot of chlorine. Step 4. Locate the mason jar in a bright window and change the water every few days if it gets cloudy. Remove stems if they die along the way. Step 5. Once you see roots form, and roots are going to form at the leaf node locations, wait until a considerable number of roots appear before moving the cutting into a fully hydrated soilless medium in a 4-inch pot. Step 6. After planting in a soilless medium, don't overwater and allow the roots to stretch and find water sources as it establishes. With that said, don't let the soilless medium dry out. It needs to be a balance. It may take three months or longer for the plant to establish, so be patient. Step 7. After the herb is established in the pot, use typical acclimating techniques before planting it outdoors permanently. So if you haven't tried propagating herbs in water, or if you haven't tried propagating at all, let me know what you are interested in trying. I'm more than happy to give you tips, either from experience or research I have verified. Or, if you are local to the Houston area, I'm happy to propagate with you. Thanks so much for learning with me. I hope today's episode opened your eyes to an endless supply of free plants through propagation. I'd love to hear more about your propagation tips and see what you've started from cuttings or grafted all grown up now in your garden. You can find me on Instagram or Facebook if you'd like to connect and share your garden stories with me. Also, don't forget Q&A Fridays are your opportunity to ask questions or ask more information on this episode. For a visual aid to the step-by-step process, take a look at this week's sister YouTube episode. If you're like me and love to read, check out my garden blog, breaking all of these steps down as well. New articles are added regularly, including recaps of each week's episode and reviews of my favorite plants growing in the test garden. And if you want to see me propagate live, make sure that you are following me on Instagram and checking out both my story section and my post section. And in case you were wondering, this episode is brought to you by my real job. As a landscape designer and the owner of HDG Landscape Design, I've had the privilege of working with a wide range of clients and properties in the Houston area for nearly a decade. If you're interested in having a beautiful outdoor living and pool area, landscape or edible garden, and you don't know how to turn your ideas into reality, consider using professional design services. Design, consultation, and even educational services are available on my website, and you can find all of this information in the podcast description. 